Hi and welcome back once again to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the mobile studio deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England. And this last seven days since I last spoke to you, it's been quite a busy one for Dexter fans, quite an exciting one. There's been lots of talk, lots of chat, lots to debate, not least because of the announcement by Showtime that Dexter has been renewed for season 7 and 8. That's right, after we're done with this season, we have two more seasons of Dexter to look forward to. Or not, as the case may be, depending on your personal opinion on how long this show should go on. But of the renewal, Showtime President David Nevins has said, Dexter's enormous success is a real tribute to the great achievements of its cast, producers and the powerhouse performance of Michael C. Hall. The series is bigger than it's ever been in its sixth season, both in terms of audience and its impact on the cultural landscape. Together with Michael, the creative team on the show has a very clear sense of where they intend to take the show over the next two seasons, and, as a huge fan, I'm excited to watch the story of Dexter Morgan play out. And Michael C. Hall added himself, just a brief quote, On behalf of the entire Dexter family, we relish the invitation to delve ever deeper into Dexter's world. So, on the face of it, that's pretty good. And reading between the lines, it sounds like creative have a plan for the next two seasons to wrap up Dexter's (laughs) storyline. Could it be a season too long? Maybe. But there was another press release that came out. Or not so much a press release, but maybe an interview with uh, David Nevins, who went on to reveal that he expects Dexter to end after its eighth season. Nevins has been reported to have said that the storylines were the main consideration. And he says, and I quote, The biggest question was, what is the trajectory of the show creatively? And after speaking with John Goldwyn, Sarah Colleton and Scott Buck, it became pretty clear that there was a very clear three-year trajectory. End quote. And Nevins confirmed that the arc includes the current sixth season as well as the seventh and eighth runs. Nevins went on to say, I'm not going to say with absolute certainty that this is the end, but that is the likely scenario, that the series is moving towards a definite end. End quote. So, this created quite a bit of buzz on the internet, on the forums, on Twitter, and on the Dissecting Dexter Facebook page. There were quite a few comments And uh, these are some of the comments that were left on Twitter. Dead Bluebird said, Even though Dexter is my favourite show, I'm not too sure they should do a series 7 and 8. I think they might go too far and ruin it. On the Facebook page, Matt Cook said, Two more? Yeah, that's perhaps a bit much. I could see one more, but two might be pushing it. Dave Noble said, Like me, that is me, Gareth, (laughs) I have mixed feelings about that too. Dexter is the kind of show that should not go on so long that it becomes ridiculous. Hopefully the showrunners and writers will look at this as an opportunity to bring Dexter to a good close rather than a chance to drag it out too long. Anthony James said, If you'd told me that I would still be enjoying it as much on the sixth season as the first, I wouldn't have believed you. Now, with a definite deadline in place, I'm positive the show will only get better for its final two. For me, this is the best news possible. Matt Battles said, I reckon if they leave it at eight, that'll do nicely. 
They have 24 episodes to work with and they can pull off a really impressive end with that. My main question is, how do you want to see him go? Mike Wilkerson said, I'm hoping that it's got the legs for it. But if the last two episodes are an indication of what's in store, there may be trouble in River City. That's Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking podcast. So maybe a slightly mixed bag of comments there. Mostly positive, it's fair to say, but there's definitely some doubts as to whether two more seasons after this one is perhaps a season too long. I mean, last season, in season five, we were thinking, you know, maybe season six will wrap things up. But then there was this talk of uh, Michael C. Hall being involved in negotiations for two more years and we were thinking crikey how long's this thing gonna go on <laughs> i mean we're all fans of the show but as some of you have said and i've said before we don't want it to drag out get dragged out too long and for the show just to fizzle out but personally i'm very encouraged that we now seemingly have a definite end date for the show and the writers can sit down now and really properly plan out how they're going to bring things to a conclusion and they've got two seasons to do it. So they've got time to sow some seeds at the beginning of season seven that are going to come to fruition at the end of season eight. And, well, I think they're already, they've already been sowing seeds, haven't they, with um, the increasing tension between Deb and Dexter and her finding the pen this week, which, you know, we'll get into in a bit. Uh, and catching Dexter lying to her. Little things that may eventually add up into something much bigger later on. So I think there's lots to be excited about and to look forward to. And I'm feeling pretty positive, pretty positive. Right, so no doubt we'll talk more about this in the feedback section. And uh, if you want to get involved in the, the discussion about the renewal or any other aspect of Dexter we've got the Dissecting Dexter Facebook page find that on Facebook just search for Dissecting Dexter and I'm sure to mention that again in the feedback section right to this latest episode then season six episode eight sin of omission original air date the 20th of November 2011 written by Erika Lisanne Mitzman and directed by Ernest Dickerson now, Dickerson, we've mentioned before, he's a pretty busy man directing episodes of many different shows, not least Dexter, but others recently include The Walking Dead, Treme and The Cape. But he's worked on a multitude of great shows in the past, not least The Wire. So we're in safe hands. The writer, Arika Lasanne Mitman, we've not talked about her before. This is her first full writer credit for Dexter. She's new on board for this season and has written for TV for a few years now, having credits on on shows like Army Wives, Traveller, South of Nowhere, Legend of the Seeker, and Medium. But none of them really big shows. So it's interesting they've brought her in, and, you know, if she's talented, I'm all for giving her a chance. She's been involved in all of this season on Dexter as a story editor, but this is her first full writing credit. Okay. Let's crack on with the review. Here we go. So, <laughs> did the question get answered this week? 
Geller being real. When we saw Travis chained up, I thought, well, he didn't do that to himself, did he? And then in the scene with Dexter in the church at the end, Dexter going upstairs to look for Geller, I thought maybe Travis would magically appear behind him, having not really been securely chained up, and knock him out. But no, they're still leaving it open. So, still, the jury is out. I think now, the focus of the question has moved away from us. Does it matter so much to us now as it matters now to Dexter? The question is more along the lines of, when will Dexter find out? I guess we'll find out when he does. He set off contrite this week, buying donuts for Deb, but bloody hell, they did look good in that shop, didn't they? In the UK, we just don't have donut shops like that, and I wish we did. <laughs> we just don't do donuts, certainly not in the same way. So yeah, Dexter buying donuts, coffee, apologising. How very sorry he really is, though. I don't think he feels too guilty. Look at how he's still buggered off to the derelict church, even with Deb standing in front of him, almost begging him to open up to her. He still put his own dark needs first. But of course, in the early scene, Deb forgave him, as any good sister would. The major thing coming out of this scene was Dexter learning that Travis let that girl go last week. It surprised him but maybe encouraged him to think there could be light in Travis, that his little chat in the car before had quite an effect. Of course, Dexter's voiceover made it clear what he was thinking, and again, like we touched on last week, they're overusing the voiceovers, spoon-feeding us every thought in his head, or nearly. I really wish they'd trust us to know him well enough by now, leave us to wonder sometimes, and let his subsequent actions give us the answer. Or certainly Michael C. Hall's excellent performance as one of the listeners uh, picked out last week in this context. They didn't used to use the voiceover gimmick so much in the old days, but it's gone so far the other way now. Honestly, it irritates me a bit sometimes. So, back on point. <laughs> we had Brother Sam's funeral this week. As that guy poured out the ashes and dropped them in the water around him, did you think, hey, that's all going to stick to your trousers, mate? <laughs> No, just me. <laughs> just me, maybe. Actually, I've just said all that about voiceovers, but this was one scene where we saw Dexter's face during the ceremony, but they refrained from a voiceover. I was just waiting for him to say something, but no. Credit, where it's due. <laughs> they left us to wonder what he was thinking. That Bible bit was gross, with all the blood sticking pages together. Shouldn't Dexter wear gloves touching it? can't be entirely hygienic, touching someone else's dried blood. But he talked about whether Brother Sam has actually changed him. I'd say it's definitely got him thinking in new directions, considering new concepts, and it certainly seems to be good for him. And he wonders if some of that light he's sensing in himself has been passed on to Travis. I like their scene together at the museum, Travis jumping out of the chair like he was electrified. <laughs> that made me smile. I know who you are. I remember your voice. I'm not here to hurt you. You were in my car. You tried to kill me. And I let you go. Just like you let Holly Benson go. I want to know why. I didn't want to see her suffer. You've seen people suffer before. What you said to me made me think. Think what? That I don't have to do what he says. This little line made me think about Dexter himself and how he gives in to his dark passenger. Applying what Travis said, 
the decision he made not to obey Geller, couldn't Dexter seek to do the same? I know it's probably easier said than done. But couldn't Dexter decide not to listen to his dark passenger any more? He rejected Brian last week, deciding not to listen to him. He's made a step in the right direction already. And of course, as we talked about, Brian represented the dark passenger, so, you know, he's, he's on that path. I wasn't sure about Dexter essentially trying to conspire with Travis to kill Geller. He's showing his cards here, but I guess Travis has his own life and or freedom at stake here. But if he decided to turn himself in, he could implicate Dexter in a major way. Although, not that I think it likely, but in theory the possibility is there. Things did take the predicted downturn for Travis this week. It was no big surprise who the Whore of Babylon turned out to be, and as expected, Travis was more than a little upset. Dexter did his level best with him, spouting words of wisdom, trying to manipulate, but he wasn't onto a winner, having done what he did to Lisa. Well, I say what he did, you know what I mean. But yeah, I think Geller was never going to win, <laughs> win that argument, trying to justify murdering Travis's sister. I did wonder for a second if Deb might be in line when Travis spotted her outside Lisa's house. Them leaving Deb's card at the tableau was interesting. And I'm... Well, I'm not entirely sure why they did that. Their message is a religiously motivated one. But I suppose... I suppose maybe it was to say we'll carry on our work regardless of anybody trying to get in the way. Just a couple of side notes about the actors here. Colin Hanks continues to do great work. So has Edward James almost actually. Although his voice, <laughs> it's so gravelly, it just sounds like he needs a good cough. <laughs> I guess that's been, what, 50 odd years of smoking. <laughs> Someone give the man some linctus. <laughs> Molly Parker, she didn't get to do too much in the series, but I do think they cast her well. She's a good actress. And looking at her next to Colin Hanks, they do share a similarity facially. You could quite believe they really were brother and sister. Parker had a nice air about her as Lisa. Nice. <laughs> I guess that's the best adjective. She was just portrayed as a nice, good person. That conversation she had with Deb, could they have beat us over the head any harder <laughs> about the similarity between Lisa's relationship with Travis and Deb with Dexter? Not exactly the same, but I was ticking boxes in my head as they talked. I did wonder briefly if they'd develop a rapport and talk more, but maybe it'll just come back to Deb later on, if she ever starts putting the pieces together about Dexter. Maybe think about Lisa and how Travis was doing all, all this heinous stuff, but yet she knew nothing about it, suspecting nothing. Dexter, he got clued up on the Bible pretty quickly. It's a big book, <laughs> to say the least, yet overnight he got a suitable verse to quote to Travis. I wouldn't have known where to start if I'd been looking for something appropriate in that situation. But it's handy that he did. I was impressed that he found the diner where Travis was eating. Maybe he followed him from home again. I guess, <laughs> as we've talked about, they don't need to show every detail of Dexter at work, do they? Dexter manipulated Travis in his own way, using Lisa to get through to him, the weak spot. It moves Travis into going to the school, where, of course, he came unstuck with a... <laughs> Oof, you bugger. That'll make his eyes water. 
When the police got to the tableau, Dexter found that clue a bit sharpish. The label on the vestments. Great work. It would have broken the case for Miami PD, but bugger me, his selfish desire to take out Geller himself got in the way. The code allows for killing of those who've killed themselves, have escaped justice, and may kill again in the future. So, insofar as the code, Dexter's certainly justified in pursuing Geller and Travis. But one option for new Dexter, that's new Dexter in inverted commas, <laughs> and I use that term loosely, <laughs> he's threatening to let the light out, but, you know, we've seen one or two glimmers, but he's not there yet. But one option for a potentially new Dexter would have been to say, hey guys, look at this, and they could have found the senile old priest and gone on to find the church and a chained up Travis Marshall. But would that have been as much fun? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so go, go, Dexter. <laughs> do what you got to do. It was quietly amusing to see him confess to that senile priest. He thought for a split second that he was going to get some sage advice on what to do. But then <laughs> the light went out of the priest's eyes and the moment was gone. He seemed to be interested in being absolved of his sins. Previously a concept he'd have laughed at. He seems much more open to these notions. Is it a sign he's set to go down a more religious path? Or maybe it just makes him feel better to tell another person of his killer tendencies? I suspect that's more likely. Remember the relief with Dr Meridian in season one. He was going to kill him anyway, so it didn't matter telling him. And here, the priest doesn't remember what he said 60 seconds ago, so no harm in telling him either. And if he did say anything to anyone, who'd believe him? It's the connection, I think, maybe that's more important to Dexter. Sharing his secret in whatever capacity. It really seems to give him something. So he ends up at the church, and I was really think. Oh, his squirrel just jumped across the car. Did you hear that? <laughs> um, yeah, Dexter ends up at the church. That's the hazards of recording out in the countryside. Not just low-flying aircraft, but squirrels. <laughs> Loads of them here. Dexter, yeah, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> he goes to the church, and I was really thinking, maybe now we'll know the answer about Geller, finally. But then I realised they were going to tease us for longer. But it was a tense scene. And they do do these... They do do, do this, don't they? They do do... <laughs> they do these tense scenes quite well in the show. They really do excel. When Dexter went upstairs to look for Geller, and he wasn't there, I thought, where the bloody hell did he go? No doors, no exits, except for that small first floor window. I can't imagine a... You know, a 60-year-old man is going to climb through that and jump down. Brings us back to thinking Geller's just in Travis's head. However, it seems Travis is open to helping Dexter now. He's got a great motive for wanting him dead after what happened to his sister. Yet, if Geller is in Travis's head, <laughs> Dexter's going to have a hard time putting a knife in his chest, isn't he? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com Blood. Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. So elsewhere in the episode, I really like Dexter working his magic at the crime scene again. He's just awesome, isn't he? Unravelling the scene to figure out what went on, like he did a couple of weeks ago at Deb's new beach house. 
it's great to see him in action. I really like those moments. It really demonstrates what a great, what great intuition he has. What a keen eye for detail. He's, he's like, he's like Miami PD Sherlock Holmes, isn't he? I don't know if any of you guys have seen the recent reboot of Sherlock, uh, as produced by the BBC. But he can do that. He can look at a crime scene, and within a few seconds, he's got it all figured out. He just takes in all the clues, and that's pretty much what Dexter did here. And in that scene with um, Mike Anderson at Deb's house, or Deb's future house, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Back to Dexter again. LaGuerta's presence at the scene surprised everybody, didn't it? What's a captain doing at what seemed to be just a run-of-the-mill crime scene? Her interest was less than subtle, and her ordering Deb to shut the case when the evidence pointed to someone else being at the scene. It rightly set alarm bells ringing. Is it likely that she's covering up for anyone other than Matthews, though? That said, this is pretty big if Matthews is involved. It gives LaGuerta something massive to have over him, and I say MASSIVE with a capital M. MASSIVE! <laughs> something something that would put him in prison, never mind just losing his job. That's the only stumbling block in the theory. He'd bloody hate putting himself at LaGuerta's mercy like this, but hey, maybe this feeds into a theory we had earlier in the season that LaGuerta wouldn't survive the season. Maybe LaGuerta tries to blackmail Matthews into resigning at some point, having this over him, and maybe Matthews ends up killing LaGuerta. Hey, maybe Matthews ends up on Dexter's table. <laughs> Who knows? I have to admit about this scene with the girl lying there on the tiled floor. <laughs> it looked cold. I did wonder how cold the actress must have been. <laughs> Hopefully they only did one take and saved her going blue. Lewis wasn't at the scene, but he got Dexter in the office later asking about his thought process at that scene, analysing and working out what happened. Presumably from his viewpoint of developing that game, but I did notice Lewis's t-shirt with a bird on it. Maybe that's two things I have in common with him. <laughs> Video games and birding. Yes, everybody, I am a bird watcher. Not so active recently, but I've been interested in birds since I was about ten. When I mentioned my time in Canada last week, although if you'd blinked you'd have missed it, I was out there in 1995 working at Long Point Bird Observatory and also studied ornithology at university. But speaking of Lewis... They brought Batista into his storyline this week, and it did help play into the new theory that Lewis will find something in Dexter's apartment, or more specifically, he'll find the, find the blood slides, with or without Harrison's daddy's box help. Will he take this information to Batista? Of course, this whole theory may end up being complete baloney, and Batista's just doing the protective big brother thing, and that's it. It wouldn't be the first time that supporting guest stars haven't ended up doing anything significant to the overall arc. Think Irish Nanny last year, for example. So let's talk about Deb for a minute. Why not? She found the pen, didn't she? We called it. And Dexter, oh, he was pretty crap at trying to cover it up. I guess he didn't expect to have to answer the question, so he wasn't prepared. Although he is often good at thinking on his feet. Deb has every right to be angry with him. He's lied to her taken advantage of her, both traits of a psychopath. He's made her look a fool. She feels totally let down by the person she cares about the most. She needed him last week, but when she was reaching out to him, he was rejecting her call, taking care of his own selfish business. I hate to say it again, but I have to, I'm afraid. Poor Deb. 
You can't help but feel sorry for her. She just wants and needs a relationship with her brother. He's been there for her in the past. She relies on his support and friendship, but really, how often has he been there, but only when it didn't get in the way of his darker activities? Did you talk to Jonah? Yes. Why? I don't know, Deb. We both lost people we loved to the same killer. I just felt a connection with him, and I needed someone to talk to. And you couldn't talk to me? I didn't want to burden you. Oh, burden me my ass. I burden you all the time. It's not a burden for me to be there for you. It was a mistake. I shouldn't have gone. That's not the point. The point is that you lied to me about it. The point is that you thought you had to go to Buttfuckville to talk to somebody about Trinity. Dexter, don't you think I get it? I lost Lundy because of Trinity, too. Yes. Oh. Dexter, you heartless bastard. He gets such tunnel vision sometimes, covering his own arse. He just doesn't think. I just wanted to slap him there. Then the scene near the end. Deb at his apartment for dinner. Another brotherly kick in the teeth for her. I guess you could say she was selfish, going there uninvited. When he'd said he was busy and expecting him to be able to sit and chat... But she was trying, and he just blew her off to go and potentially murder someone. Like I said earlier, putting the dark passenger first. Maybe... Maybe hitting rock bottom with Deb. And they seem to be heading that way. Maybe it'll prompt him to sort things out there. Build some bridges. And lastly, my final comment about the episode. Quinn, and I have just one thing to say... What was that scene in the strip club about? All that effort for the production team, setting up the bar, paying those uh, actresses to uh, get their boobs out. Um, was it just to indicate Quinn's letting loose again? Getting drunk and risking getting beaten up by a bouncer? I don't know, going to that effort for... You know, it wasn't a, exactly a... It wasn't the briefest of scenes... You'd hope it, it, <laughs> they're going somewhere with it. <laughs> but overall this week, a solid, enough, a solid enough episode. Not as exciting or entertaining as last week's Nebraska. Not for me, but decent nonetheless. I like the build-up of tension. Wondering if maybe Deb could be in line to be the Whore of Babylon. I like the increasing tension between Deb and Dexter, having been so close and solid in earlier seasons. And I like the final scene with Dexter finding Travis and the continued tease about Geller. Yes, <laughs> I said I liked it. I think they're handling it quite well. I do trust the writers, and even though I've whined about them dragging out the Izzy isn't he thing, it's become a source of quiet amusement now, and I trust them to tell us when they're good and ready. So, what did you guys think of the episode? Listener Feedback Alright, so we've got a lot of feedback to go through this week. You guys have sent 
a record number of voicemails, which is fantastic. It it really does make a change to have someone's voice other than my own on the podcast. And uh, we've got one or two uh, first time callers as well. In fact, at least at least a couple of callers, maybe even three or four. I haven't counted, but um, it's really encouraging that uh, new people are feeling inspired to call in. So thank you very much. Firstly, I received some feedback in between podcasts referring back to my comments on the episode Nebraska, mostly surrounding uh, one key point that I got completely wrong. I mean, it wasn't just slightly wrong. I got it. 180 degree, 180 degrees <laughs> wrong, <laughs> wrong diddly wrong wrong. <laughs> so apologies. I'm talking about the whole necrophilia thing. Uh, amongst others, Deanna and Sam Bishop dropped me lines just to say um, that I got it wrong. Uh, it seems that only me and uh, a caller from last week, Matt, <laughs> that, that we're the only guys that got it wrong. Um, the other thing we share in common is that we're both British, so I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, that maybe it's our British ears um, just misheard it, or whether we're just filthy. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously, there was no necrophilia connotation with what Brian said, so it does shed a completely different light on the comment. Brian just wanted a killer, essentially. No monkey business, no hanky-panky, just kill the girl. <laughs> so, yeah, completely different meaning. Apologies for getting that wrong. All right, an email uh, relating back to episode 7. Mary Helen from South Carolina emails to say, First off, I've listened to your podcast from the beginning, but this is my first time emailing. You do a fantastic job with your podcast. It's definitely my favourite, and I was happy to give you a five-star rating on iTunes. Thanks very much, Mary Helen. Regarding episode 7, I was hoping to be the first person to point out the funny reference to the American Gothic painting with Brian, Dexter and the Pitchfork, but alas, Sandy in Seattle beat me to it. I had my email all ready to go when I heard her mention it. So close. Oh well, still wanted to send my email to tell you what a great job I think you're doing. Thanks again for a stellar podcast. Thanks very much. Yeah, she's she's a sharp one, that Sandy, but it's good you spotted it too. It certainly passed me by, that American Gothic reference. Keep your eyes peeled, though. I'm sure there'll be more little Easter eggs in the future for us to pick up on. Hi, Gareth. This is Dave in Columbus. Uh, big fan of the podcast. and been It's been uh, adding to my enjoyment of Exer. Um, enjoying the season so far, and I thought it was about time I called into the podcast. Um, I can understand that there was some love-hate relationship with uh, Episode 7, Nebraska, uh, because I, upon the first watching of it, thought, oh, goodness, here we go. It's just the greatest hits of uh, past seasons coming to haunt us. But uh, really enjoyed really enjoyed the episode upon a second, uh, more careful viewing of it. I uh, won't go too much into that since you've already done the podcast for it. Um, but I will mention that one of my friends who got me into watching Dexter in the first place, every time I would call the call them up to discuss uh, one of the shows, one of the episodes where I was a little bit disappointed with where the plot was going, they would just say to me, trust the show, trust the show. So that's kind of where I am right now. I'm really enjoying uh, season six. Uh, I think it's just as good as, as any of the Dexter seasons. Um, but I am at the point of, I'm just going to trust the show. Maybe I'll give a call back after the uh, episode eight and let you know how that trust is working out for me. And finally, one point of order on the 
supposed necrophilia with the uh, gas station attendant lady that uh, that uh, Dexter had sex with and Brian's comment afterwards. When I first heard that, I heard it as, wouldn't it have been more fun to kill her than fuck her, as in rather than or instead of fucking her, it would have been more fun to kill her. Uh, when I listened to your podcast and, and that, that came up, I went back and listened to it again, and I, I think – uh, I think it might be a, a problem of accent uh, because I'm pretty sure that what Brian was saying was, wouldn't it have been more fun to kill her instead of fucking her, not then fucking her afterwards. Anyway, that's uh, uh, all I've got for this message. Like I say, I'll give you a call and let you know how my trust is going after the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dave. You're absolutely right that we should trust the show, trust the writers. I did kind of say as much last week that uh, this is their show they know what they're doing with these characters some of the team have been with the show since season one so they're well seasoned they know Dexter better than we do so I think um, you know if that's the story with the involvement of Brian that they wanted to portray that's the story they wanted to tell us so be it you know uh, if some expectations weren't quite met then I guess that's something those individuals have to accept and if they're going to continue to watch this show, they've you know, just got to move on. And Dave also went on to point out about the necrophilia thing. Uh, so thanks, Dave. An email came in from our friend Writer Gal who said, Enjoyed your podcast on the Nebraska episode today and I'm looking forward to watching the next episode tonight. Before I do, though, I wanted to make a brief observation. Seems to me that the writers are playing around with the dual nature theme this season, like Janus, the old two-faced god from Roman mythology, the god of beginnings and endings, symbolised by a two-faced creature that looks forward and backward at the same time. He was often represented by gates and doors, and it's from his name that we get January. Lots of characters seem to be battling their two, their two natures. Dexter, of course, with Rudy and Harry, Travis with his good side and Geller side. I'm not voting for the name that must not be spoken being a figment precisely because I think he symbolises Travis's evil nature. Then there's Deb with her desire to be a lieutenant and just one of the guys. Brother Sam who constantly battled his darkness and even Quinn who wants to be in a relationship even as he wants to cat around. It's a variation on the old Jekyll and Hyde story about how man wishes he could defeat the evil within but must learn how to live a good life even as he struggles because it's the struggle that makes us strong. I've a hunch we'll see more of this. Didn't we see it in Jonah who killed but wanted to be punished? Always the epic struggle between good versus evil, what we want to do and what we know we ought to do. Getting back to the religion theme that has permeated the season, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans 7, 23 to 25 but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me oh what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord so you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law but because of my sinful nature I'm a slave to sin end quote Writer Gal goes on to say, 
I don't think we've seen the end of Brother Sam. Not that he'll appear as the good angel on Dexter's shoulder, but perhaps someone will give him Sam's Bible, or some token from the garage, and that will serve to remind Dexter of the encouragement Sam always provided. Can't wait to see what happens. Excellent job as always on the podcast, and you've been getting delightful letters from really thoughtful people. I suppose good thoughts attract good thinkers. <laughs> Thanks, writer gal. I completely echo your sentiments about the feedback that I've been getting. It's been brilliant. And your comments there. Excellent as always. The duality within the characters is a fascinating point to look at and you cover it well. We all know about Dexter's internal conflict and we've talked about Travis. Although it all hangs on whether the Geller we've been seeing is real or not. We know he certainly was a real person, of course, but we perhaps don't give enough consideration to the others. And of the ones you mention, Quinn stuck out for me. I know he was a Jack the Lad before settling with Deb. We all do, don't we? We've seen it. And then, within hours of proposing to her, being prepared to settle with her permanently, he's off gallivanting around town and sowing some more wild oats. But you're right, he too has this internal conflict and maybe... That was symbolised by the strip club scene this week. It seemed pretty gratuitous at the time, and I kind of still stand by that, but it does illustrate where Quinn is right now. But that said, you can rightly argue whether the show needed to spend that much time showing this about someone who's a supporting character at best. That's why I feel or hope that it's leading up to something. That said, it plays into the theme that you describe, drawing religion into it, the timeless struggle of humankind in a conflict between our good nature and sin, it's arguably inside all of us to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the nature of the sin. The quote from Paul really sums up what is arguably the theme for this season of Dexter. And I do have to give you a lot of credit for bringing this up and providing some great analysis. The focus of the show, it's still rightly on Dexter's character. And the conflict there is obvious for all of us. But yes, we can also see it in all of them. Maybe they could all learn something from what Brother Sam said. Thanks again, writer gal, for another great email. Of the renewal of Dexter, Barbara in New York emailed to say, Although I haven't been overwhelmed by the recent seasons of Dexter, I still like the show very much and am happy about it going to season 8, assuming 8 will be the last. The reason I'm happy is because the writers now have room to flesh out a proper finale. Of course, with Hall's contract there might not be any money left for production, haha, <laughs> and we might be punished with Vina Sood as the showrunner. This being a reference to AMC's debacle The Killing, which was the disappointment of last spring. I think most of us Dexter fans are in closure mode, wouldn't you agree? It's time to wrap things up and taking two years to do so is perfect, in my opinion. Let's fill those years with real surprises, not fake ones like Professor Geller. Let's have some major characters die, and others revealed as not quite being who we thought they were. Deb will discover who her brother really is, and how she works through it could be very interesting, or not, depending on the writing staff. Gareth, what would you like to see happen in the last two seasons? Please share it with the class. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Yes, I agree. I think most of us are in closure mode now. We've enjoyed the ride, but it seems most of us agree that the writers need to draw things to a close now. I'm optimistic that they're going to thrill us over the next couple of years. What would I like to see? 
Well, obviously, I want to see Deb find out the truth. That's the biggie. I want to see Harrison be okay, and Dexter to be satisfied that he's not inherited any of his darkness. But I guess the really big thing for me personally is how the story ends for Dexter himself. Whether he lives or dies, stays free or gets caught. I think that given the overall arc of the character, I'd really like him to get redemption and finally win out over his dark passenger. It came about because of that terrible tragedy he suffered as a small boy, and it would be fitting for him to finally get closure. Even if he doesn't fully get rid of the darkness, and according to Brother Sam, he never will, but to be in a place where he's, where he's totally in control of it and no longer needs to kill. I think as a fan of the character, that'd be most satisfying to me. I guess that's what we'd call the happy ending. Okay, so moving on to your feedback from episode 8. On Twitter, Sandy Marshall said, Good to see that the suspense is back in the season. Too obvious who the phone call was to, and my heart goes out to Deb. I think she looks at Dex as a father figure more than a brother, constantly looking for approval. Casper in Denmark said, An OK episode. And on Facebook, Chuck... Luke, Luek, <laughs> L-U-E-C-K, his surname. <laughs> Sorry for my crap pronunciation, Chuck. <laughs> you posted a theory that said this. I'm not sure if any boards have mentioned this, since I don't go to boards, but ever since episode one, Dexter's always had a very strong narrative aspect, explaining to us why he does the things he does, thoughts, feelings, etc. Well, what if he's not talking to us as viewers, but a character? Like telling his story to investigators, a doctor, writer, Deb, or even Harrison. Would be cool to see a final scene of Dexter finally telling everyone what he's been hiding all his life. Hopefully a somewhat older Dexter. What do you think? Well, <laughs> Chuck, I like this theory. It's certainly very different, and it would certainly shed a totally different light on all the commentary we've heard over the years. I can picture it fading to an interview room, Dexter sitting across a table from Deb, her face awash with tears, hearing everything unravel in front of her. Although, in reality, I doubt Deb would be allowed to be there, given her being his sister. But it's a nice theory. OK, on to emails about the episode. Uh, episode 8, Lost Junkie emailed in to say, A good episode. Kind of slow, but hey, we sort of, kind of, got the answer to get the Geller question. Deborah mentioned that people have reported seeing him, so could this be it? I know I know we're all fed up with the real, unreal Geller, but it keeps it interesting. At this point, I believe in what I said last time. He is real, and he isn't. Wow, the pen. Deborah did see it, didn't she? Perhaps she'll be watching Dexter closely now. I think she's going to get more suspicious. You can't help but feeling sorry for her, seeing it from her point of view. Yes, Dexter hasn't been a good brother recently, and when all, with all that's been going on, it's just natural for her to go to a shrink, I guess. Dexter has changed from the last episode, and I feel like they did it too fast. Thanks, Lost Junkie. Yes, I felt sorry for Deborah too. She was feeling guilty for taking, or for talking too much about her own problems to Dexter and not listening to him, but then... He's never really been one to talk about his own problems. He's always been guarded, so 
it's not a recent thing that he's not being open with her. However, he does seem to have gotten particularly bad at being there for her lately. And that's why she's feeling quite let down by him at the moment. Well, that and the fact that she caught him lying to her and taking advantage of her quite blatantly. About Dexter's change. I'm not sure he's changed that wildly from last week. He's not... He's not running wild and reckless with Brian on his shoulder, but he's still being selfish, lying to Deborah, keeping key evidence from the investigation and trying to kill someone. But he's back in a place where he's considering the light within him again. Ah, the contradictions, eh? <laughs> Dave in Philadelphia emailed to say, I thought this episode was the best this season. I usually read IGN's reviews, and I think they're accurate, but they gave this a 7.5. I can understand that it can be seen as annoying that they're stretching this Geller thing out so long, but I like the cliffhanger and wondering each week whether he's real or not. I like how Travis is teaming up with Dexter. I like their interactions in this episode. I like the mystery of whoever called LaGuerta. I thought there were a lot of things developing in this episode. Gareth, you and a lot of people seem sick of waiting for an answer on the Geller mystery, but I think it's kind of interesting to keep wondering. But if they do try to surprise the audience and say he's not real... It's going to be really lame because most people already thought of it. And one of the reasons we've all thought of it by now is because they're dragging it on. So, until they let us know what is the truth, I'm going to say it's interesting to wonder if he's real or not. I think the writers are doing a really good job of almost giving us all the evidence that Geller is real and then doing something that makes us think he isn't. That is, if this is the intention of the writers to keep us guessing whether he's real or not. I guess some will find it frustrating, but I think it's kind of impressive that I still have no idea if he's real or not. At the beginning of this episode, I'm like, he's probably real, and now I feel like he's probably not. If the writers found a way of delivering the answer to this in a non-lame and or unexpected way, then all the frustration people are having about them keeping us guessing will hopefully be worth it. I think I'm liking Geller as a bad guy more. He's really evil. I was pretty upset that the sister died, even though it seemed she was going to die before. I think it would be cool if the writers blindsided us with this whole DDK thing by keeping us guessing and all of a sudden have Deb find out about Dexter. Like with barely any build-up. Just surprise us completely. We as viewers are so focused on the DDK and Geller story and wondering about that that we'd be caught completely off guard by Deb finding out. There's a little bit of build-up, though. It seems like Dexter's secrets are really hurting his relationship with Deb and backing him into a corner. This is a really interesting thing that the writers haven't explored much. Deb has always let Dexter go with his half-assed excuses. It makes a lot of sense that Deb would call him out and demand real explanations, so maybe she will find out this season. The only ending to a season that could match or top Rita dying or finding out the ice truck killer was Dexter's brother is Deb finding out. Maybe that wouldn't be the best idea for it to happen now, but no one would expect her to find out this season, because there's hardly any build-up to it. Thanks very much for that. Yes, with two seasons to come, having Deb find out now would be a little early, perhaps, but then this season was all filmed before the renewal, so who knows? It would be a big shock for, to find out this season, though, or for Deb to find out this season... And I do like the idea of them blindsiding us. It does seem they're going down the road of driving a wedge between Deb and Dexter, though. And it'll probably open the door to, be, to her becoming more suspicious. She's been too close all this time for the thought to even enter her head. 
or too close to Dexter, I should say. That could be about to change, though. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Hey, guys, it's me, Josh. This last episode eight of season six. <clears throat> I um, still don't know if Keller's Dark Passenger or not. They're so close to it, but they're not revealing it. No one has seen Geller. No one has seen Geller. People think they saw Geller. I doubt that's the truth. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, still don't know why they're getting me up another week. But, uh, you know, it was a really suspenseful episode. Um, a lot of good stuff in the episode. Killing of a sister. The whack from the show. I mean, was it's just all just playing out in Travis's head. I, I, I don't know. I don't know which way I'm leaning towards. I'm so on the fence. Ah, uh, this this week. This week I'm leaning a little more towards Geller being real. But I still have the, you know, suspicion that it's just all playing out in Travis's head like like that. Um it's it's actually interesting again though. I mean, now that he's gotten Brother Sam's arc completely out of the way from you know, last week. Kind of came to a close, now they're thinking they can focus on the doomsday killers, and finally it's getting good again, and um, it took a while. Um, I also just wanted to talk about Deb and Dexter's relationship, which has always been kind of a hot topic on the show, and I've always been rooting for you know Dexter to open up to her. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Deb is the only one that's really close to Dexter that Dexter has not told about his mother. I'm pretty sure he's told Brother Sam, Lumen, um, Rita, and I'm sure somebody else. Uh, I don't think Miguel he told. But he's told everybody that he's been friends with or been really close to, except the one he's been closest to the whole time. I just wish he'd open up and you talk a little bit. And obviously the pen was a freaking most obvious thing. You knew it was going to come up. As soon as you said, for next week, when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is going to come up next week. Okay, um, that's just about all I have to say. Not really a lot of comments. I did like the episode quite a bit. Um, and it's getting really... I mean, the part of the end where uh, they were, he was in the church it's pretty suspenseful, gotta admit. And um, I think it's just getting better. Doomsday case is finally, finally getting interesting. That's all I had to say. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Josh. You're leaning together being real now. <laughs> it's so funny how we're all flitting about with this one way to the other. I guess this is what the writers wanted and it just amuses me now. They'll tell us when they're ready. You asked the question, does Deb know how Dexter's mum died? Yes, I think she does. She did all that research in season four, if you remember, when she was looking into um, Harry's informants. And she found out the name Laura Moser being one of them and that she left two sons behind when she was murdered. 
Dexter and Brian. Remember the scene in the season four finale on the step of the Mitchell house? I re-watched that scene, actually, while preparing for this podcast and just checking I remembered it right before responding to your voicemail. And it's still an emotional scene. Deb telling Dexter and him thinking this is it. She knows. So I think she is aware of what happened there. Okay, an email from Nick Henderson from the 4Player podcast. I apologise for my absence last week, but I'm eager to jump back in and dissect some Dexter. Here are my thoughts on Sins of Omission. First of all, congratulations to Michael C. Hall and the crew on Dexter being renewed for two more seasons. I'm excited to see how they decide to bring the series to a close. The end is in sight, but I'm comforted knowing I still have at least two more seasons before I have to let go. With that said, the awkward slow pacing of season 6 continues and the writers seem to be holding on to all of the major plot threads, making sure they don't unravel until the final four episodes. I still have so many questions aside from the obvious Geller dilemma. That rhymed. (laughs) Whose fingers fingers were seen running across the bloodslides in the season preview? Is Mike Anderson going to clash with Dexter at all, or will he amount to nothing more than a fresh face in the department? Why is the creepy intern obsessed with Dexter, and will his man-crush lead him down a dark path? Will the hot blonde intern ever return? There are just too many questions. The scene in which Dexter approached Travis at the museum was really great. It seems that Dexter's confidence and focus is renewed after his detour last week. It also appears to be building to an unexpected partnership between the two in order to take down Geller. Of course... The eventual demise of Travis's sister was tragic and will certainly complicate things when Dexter realises that Travis and Geller are actually the same person, if that turns out to be the case. The DDK plot thread is finally starting to get interesting. LaGuerta's weekly cameo seems to be building her into a truly loathsome character, especially now that she's apparently covering for a colleague, Matthews I presume, who is connected to the death of a hooker. Maybe we can finally see her making a dramatic exit at the end of the season. Cross his fingers. This week seemed to focus a lot on the relationship between Deb and Dexter, with Deb's patience with her brother growing incredibly thin. This newfound trust that Deb has developed with a therapist probably won't be good for Dexter, seeing as it has already prompted Deb to begin questioning her brother's actions. Have the events that will result in Deb discovering Dexter's secret finally been set in motion? I can't help but feel that while the season as a whole has been fairly slow, they're they're building up to some pretty heavy and impactful revelations in the season finale. Overall, the episode was kind of slow, but based on the preview of next week's episode, it looks like the excitement is about to ramp up for the final third of the season. If the season ends on a high note with some major revelations or plot twists, I will happily forgive the slow build-up. Until next week. Thanks, Nick. Oh, I know Matt Cook will be happy you brought up the fingers on the bloodslide thing again. (laughs) His theory was that they were Deb's fingers. I can't wait to find out. We've seen Dexter team up with people before. But this is a new take on the concept. It would be amusing for Travis and Dexter to team up and hunt down someone who now only exists in Travis's head. I can foresee a scene when Dexter finds Geller's decomposed corpse. With regard to LaGuerta, I speculated in the review that LaGuerta could come to a dubious end through this business. Matthews has to be the prime suspect, doesn't he? And you mentioned whether Anderson's going to amount to nothing more than just a new face in the department. 
just reading that, it, it occurred to me whether Quinn's about to be written out and maybe they're, they're using this season to establish Anderson as a new face in the department to have a more significant role next year. With regard to Deb, yes, I think they're getting things moving along the path to Deb finding out. It's certainly the storyline that has me the most excited. And congratulations again, Nick. I did post this on Twitter, but your podcast uh, listeners may not be aware. Uh, the four-player podcast won two in two categories at the 2011 Podcast Awards. And not your first award either, so great job and congratulations to you and the other guys who work on your show. Very well done. Hi, Gareth. This is Dave in Ohio again, calling back as promised to uh, report on how the latest episode, Sin of Omission, um, how that's going with my trust the show mantra. Uh, that's a mantra I picked up from a friend, my friend who turned me on to Dexter. Um, and as I mentioned previously, when I would get a little bit worried that the show was going off kilter or maybe a bit wonky, uh, she would just tell me, trust the show. And I think it goes to the point that many of your listeners have commented on that a season of Dexter really really can't be judged uh, except for in its entirety. Um, and I, I think I sort of hinted that, that Nebraska gave me a little bit of feelings of, oh, here we go, I'm not sure uh, what's going to happen here or how this fits in. But, boy, sin of omission. What an episode. There's just a lot of meat, a uh, lot of stuff really getting set up in this episode. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and I will say that, that my trust in the show sort of has been validated because I like the way that uh, the previous two episodes uh, kind of set us up for Dexter and Travis. And specifically, I mean, uh, with Dexter uh deciding to kill an unrepentant Nick, killing him once he realized that he was unrepentant. And then in Nebraska, once he sees that Jonah is repentant, he lets him go. So what does this mean for how Dexter's going to handle Travis? Whether Travis, um, whether Geller's real or not, whether this is a you know figment of, of a, a psychosis that Travis is having, a uh, mental illness, or a real person who is, is controlling Travis. Um, how will this fit in? It, it seems that at the moment, Dexter's giving Travis the benefit of the doubt. Um, there was a lot of uh, other good stuff. Uh, I think I'll just mention, uh, first of all, I missed Vince. It was good to see him back, even with just a little one-liner there in the uh, police briefing. Good stuff. Um, but also when he confronted De uh, Travis at the beginning, he walked into Travis's place of work. I couldn't help but think back to... Uh, when Brother Sam faced Nick's gang uh, at the garage and he just stood there resolutely uh, and saying, it's in God's hands now. And uh, Dexter had that kind of look on his face because it's a huge risk for Dexter to go into Travis's place of work, especially now that Miami Metro knows who he is. Um, and I think we're seeing some of this religion and this Brother Sam starting to take root and grow uh, in the series. And uh, even though there's a lot to talk about, I think I'll just uh, finally mention that uh, uh, here we're seeing some stuff about Deb. Uh, you know, she's always had a problem with Dexter not opening up, uh, but she's also had a blind spot. And it looks like they're setting it up so that that blind spot's going to be fading or narrowing or getting smaller, something like that. And one thing as a Dexter fan I, I will say is I, I worry 
that there's so much expectation that Deb has to find out about Dex out in the, uh, the fan base that no matter, you know, if Deb does find out about Dex, no matter how well it's done, how well it's written, how well it's executed, it's going to fall short of expectations because I think when expectations rise so high, um, there's just no way, no way to meet them. So I, I wonder if this is just sort of another uh, false start at Deb finding out and it'll go a different direction or not. Um, but great episode. My trust in the show has, uh, it's still there and strong and looking forward to another episode and another episode of your great podcast. Talk to you later. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me? Demented Daddy Dexter. Hi, Garrett. Dave in Ohio again. Sorry for all the calls. Uh, I just wanted to uh, touch on one last thing about uh, the Sin of Omission episode. And I know it's... Uh, you had mentioned previously you were getting tired of the, is Geller real or not? And uh, I'm with you on that. I was getting tired of that. And I think largely because there wasn't a whole lot uh, to re- really sink our teeth into to, to think about that question. Um, however, in this episode, I think that was part of the strength of this episode. The writing for uh, the character of Travis and Colin Hanks acting really gave a lot of meat to that question. Just such a fantastic job that that he was acting in a way that really could make you believe that Geller wasn't real, but you could also see maybe how he is. Um, I'm sure a lot of people say, well, he was chained up. Obviously, Geller had to do that. But somebody with a uh, mental disorder um, where they're seeing somebody and somebody's telling them to do uh, hurt other people, uh, especially if he was doing that and hurt his sister as a result, he may have chained himself up so that he could no longer be able to hurt other people. Um, there's just a lot of meat, and I think really rather than, you know, oh, well, this incident points to Geller being real or this little uh, little item points to him not being real, it was the acting that Colin Hanks provided that really made you wonder, made you think, okay, this is a question worth worth thinking about, and I'm, I'm interested to find out the answer, rather than frustrated by the lack of an answer. So, that's all. Thanks, Dave. The museum scene, confronting Travis in his place of work, making a comparison to the workshop scene with Brother Sam and the gang. Sam standing confidently, but taking a big risk, his faith giving him strength, and now... Here we see Dexter taking a similar risk, showing his face to Travis, revealing some of his hand, but having a similar confidence from whatever source. He's taken quite a bit from his brief time with Brother Sam, isn't he? You make a very interesting point about a lot of us putting a lot of stock in wanting to see Deb find out the whole truth about Dexter. Expectation for how they do it in this show is obviously and quite naturally very high, And it's true. We do, don't we? We do run the risk of expecting so much that the eventual reality will inevitably fall short. It's a danger. I sincerely hope not. But we should also consider that there might be a small possibility that Deb never does find out. 
Imagine that. You mentioned the quality of writing of the character of Travis and Hanks's acting. Yes, I think it's been really well done and great work by Hanks. It may be that Travis chained himself up so he couldn't hurt anyone else. He wouldn't have known Dexter was coming, so it's possible he'd have been there until Mammy PD eventually got there. Or maybe, um, I don't know, a passing dog walker found or maybe smelled the body <laughs> after he'd starved to death. But he's at the point now where maybe he has nothing left to lose. But you make a fair point that the question of Travis's mental state is an interesting one. It does interest me, and I think if I didn't podcast about the show, the Geller mystery wouldn't have tried my patience so much. It's just that I talk about it so much as a consequence of doing the podcast. I think when the season's done, I'll look back and view it as a whole, and it'll all make sense. Like you said, trust the show, and I do. Deanna in Alberta has emailed in. And she writes, The guest stars aren't faring too well this season, are they? Two down, two to go. I kind of guessed Lisa Marshall was going to end up in a tableau. I recognised Molly Parker from Deadwood, another great series, and figured she must have signed up for more than showing as a dinner and breakfast companion. In regards to the Geller is he or isn't he controversy, when caller Travis proposed this theory way back in the second podcast, I had a light bulb moment and thought he was really onto something there. If he hadn't put his theory out there, I likely wouldn't have seen it myself until this episode. This week seems to have cemented my belief that Travis has a multiple personality disorder. In fact, if this is not the case, I'll be even more surprised. This week, I thought Quinn's drunken scene was rather gratuitous and out of place. I thought he had gotten some closure on his breakup with Deb in the last episode. Why did he show up this episode drunk and stupid? The cynic in me thinks Showtime hasn't had its quota of TNA this season. Oh well. Batista, playing a disapproving male figure role at dinner with Lewis, and was humorous. Batista demonstrated he had done a background check on Lewis by knowing the car he drove, and then exposed his gun while expressing he didn't want to see him get hurt. It was amusing, but I wondered why they played up this antagonism. There's going to be a wedge between Jamie and Angel when, he disco when she discovers he tried to scare off Lewis. I guess I'm trying to link this side story with the season or series arc, and I'm not seeing where it goes yet. I enjoyed the scenes Dexter shared with Travis. Both men are excellent actors. It was, a pretty, it was pretty rich hearing Dexter preaching about sin to others. Dexter obviously found a convenient quote in Sam's Bible to go on the offensive with Travis. Just as good was Travis being able to finish the quote when Dexter started preaching. The scene with Dexter and Father Galway was remarkable. Michael C. Hall in finest form. The expression on his face as he and Priest regarded one another after confessing to murder was breathtaking. There wasn't one note of music, no sound but their discussion. Great use of silence and the pregnant pause in this scene. Then the look of anticipation of Dexter waits to hear what he must do. I was there with him. This was among the best scenes of the season. Dexter did look lightened as Father Galway absolved him of his sins. Dexter has only confessed who he is to, to a select few. I believe Lumen is the only one out there who truly understands the Dark Passenger. The rest meet his knife. He felt safe confessing to a priest with dementia. I was reminded of the sacrament of confession. From a Catholic perspective, I was taught that to receive absolution you must first confess your sin, 
Second, be truly sorry for your wrongs. Thirdly, where possible, make amends and apologise. And four, have a conversion of heart. Truly not want to, to commit the same sins again. I'm guessing Dexter does not yet feel any remorse, does not intend to do penance, and has no intent to stop killing. Sorry, Dexter, at the risk of sounding judgmental, I don't believe you are absolved of your sins. I really could ramble on more about Deb and her scenes of foreshadowing, but I'll leave that for now. Only a few episodes left this season, and apparently two more seasons for the series. Fingers crossed for a satisfying conclusion to both. Thanks very much, Deanna. Some more very insightful religious input. I like it. I'm leaning back to Travis having a multiple personality disorder. We got a potential explanation from having mental issues when Lisa said their parents were killed. Adds a little sympathy to Travis in a Dexter kind of way, don't you think? He could end up being a tragic character too. Maybe one who could have also benefited from the right kind of therapy when he was young. And there really were some good scenes between Dexter and Travis. I'm enjoying watching Hall and Hanks playing off each other. Hanks really has inherited some decent acting chops from his dad. I agree with you about the scene with Father Galway. Great work from both actors. I love those quiet moments when they have no music and just let the actors' facial expressions and body language do the talking. And, yes, I agree about the confession itself. <laughs> he has no intention of stopping killing, does he? Neither has he acknowledged feeling remorse, except maybe when he killed the innocent man in season four. The photographer, was it? And that didn't seem to linger with him for long. But maybe he can make amends in his own way. He did let Jonah go. Maybe he'll do something less murderous for Travis, too. And hear that, Travis? I call a Travis, that is. <laughs> you got some kudos. <laughs> He'll be pleased to hear about that. And we'll be hearing from him in a bit. Hey, Gareth, it's Ken. Um, thought I'd just take a minute to talk about um, La Guerta this episode. Um, it's awfully, you know, a little history. Um, La Guerta has always kind of been this antagonistic character, but she's always been sympathetic. Um, up until about season four or season five, I would argue that season five was the breaking point where she proved to be corrupt and incompetent. Uh, but last episode, we saw her um, trying very hard to close this case, and I'm sure um, everyone is thinking the same thing, that she's covering up for something. And speculation is probably she's covering up for Matthews. So it's kind of an odd turn for this character that's been sympathetic for um you know, for most of the show, kind of on the dime changing into this antagonistic you know, there's nothing good about her. There's there's nothing that the viewer can look at her and go, oh, yeah, well, she's doing this for these reasons. Um, she has no family. She has, um, she's not doing this for anyone but herself, this power corruption, this, the way she plays games with everyone. So, basically, yeah, so she's all corrupt and stuff. What I can hope for, at least, is that at the end of this, justice is served and DeGuarta and Matthews cut them off for the show. Just finally get them out of our hair. That's 
Oh, it's really helpful, right? And um, I just want to mention uh, one more thing. Uh, this is something about Quinn, who uh, I thought after episode um, seven, I thought after that that you know Quinn's apology to Deborah and everything, I thought he'd be on the path back to you know good guy Quinn, but. As we saw this episode, he's kind of just spiraling down. I don't know whether or not the uh, writers switched directions or this is always the direction for them, but um, I feel like we're kind of kicking the dead horse at this point. Every week, it's kind of, you know, destructive Quinn, and I don't see things ending well for him this season either. Let's talk about uh, Dexter and Geller and uh, what they represent thematically. Um, whether Geller is real or not doesn't really make a difference here, but um, I think uh, what we saw is they kind of represent the uh, thin line where religion or religious people use de- uh, fear and guilt to make people do good and evil. Um, you see Dexter kind of using the Bible uh in a way, to kind of guilt Travis and the, the threats that his sister is in safe. He's supposed to manipulate Travis into, into doing good, but it's still manipulation. And um, we see Geller do the same thing for evil. And uh, while I was watching the episode, I was just like, I was thinking, you know, how is Dexter different from Geller? You know, they're they're doing the same thing for different ends, and that's what got me thinking on this whole path that they represent, you know, the thin line, the difference between religion being used for charity or similarly for acts of violence, like terrorism and stuff. Ah, La Guerta, La Guerta, La Guerta. Indeed, Ken, and thanks for your voicemail, by the way. <laughs> she certainly used to have some redeeming features. She could play hardball and could be be a complete bitch, especially to Deb. But then she'd show her softer side too and demonstrate that she did have a normal heart and not one made of stone. But she, throughout, she's shown herself to be totally driven and selfish, looking out for her own interests. Not exactly corrupt in my opinion, but she plays the game and has her own agenda. She crapped all over Deb last season, didn't she, over that nightclub shooting, when it was her fault it turned bad not Deb. But she set up Deb to take the fall. If she is covering for Matthews now, she knows exactly what she's doing, and she's got the best dirt on Matthews she could have ever wanted. But I think it'll be the end of her, and there are plenty of us who'll celebrate it, but then maybe we'll miss her a little. She's been a good antagonist, if nothing else. And as for Quinn, I do wonder if they're setting him up to self-destruct and for it to cost him his job, which, arguably, sleeping with a key witness in a serial murder case should have done. Is he on the path to being written out? Dexter and Geller. Interesting little discussion there. Representing the thin line, how some religious people use fear and guilt to make people do good and evil. I think I said in my review that Dexter used manipulation in a similar way to Geller, to get Travis to do what he wanted, but with good intentions, well, I say that, (laughs) good intentions, he wants to kill Geller, but in the end it should put a stop to the murders. Uh, It's a resurfacing of the constant quandary about rooting for Dexter, isn't it? 
Dexter used guilt while Geller used fear to manipulate Travis into doing evil. But you're right, it's a good point how religious beliefs can be manipulated for good and evil. Michael in Ohio emailed in to say, Gareth, just watch Sin of a Mission. Not exactly the same league as Nebraska. This season is shaping up to be another ho-hum exercise like season five. I think one of the biggest problems with this season, and last season too, is with the casting. Colin Hanks and Edward James Olmos are fine actors, but, at least in these roles, they do not command the screen. Think back to seasons two, three and four. Whenever they were on the screen, you couldn't take your eyes off Jamie Murray, Jimmy Smits and of course John Lithgow. I've heard a lot of disrespect directed at season three, but I thought it was structured nicely and the Miguel Prado character was full of surprises. Where have the surprises been with Jordan Chase, Boyd Fowler, Travis Marshall and Professor Geller? They've been comic book villains at best, and you need special actors to make those kinds of characters work. Unfortunately, we haven't seen those kind of actors since Lithgow departed. Even many of Dexter's playmates from earlier seasons, Dr Meridian, Zoe Kruger, the car salesman Roger Hicks, they're all so much more interesting than the target characters we've been given in seasons 5 and 6. The writers might be better off in the 7th and 8th seasons, giving us more standalone episodes with Dexter's stalking challenging praise, rather than focusing so much on 12 episode story arcs that seem to fall flat. Oh well. I hope the show writers and producers prove me wrong in the final weeks of season 6. And since we know we're going to have two more seasons, I think that all the fans of the Dissecting Dexter podcast should start a campaign, perhaps on Facebook, to lobby the producers of the show to fly Gareth to Hollywood and let him have a cameo on an episode. <gasps> Gareth has done so much to keep interest in the show at a high level. That's the least they could do. What do you think? One last thought. Dexter and Brian tracked down Jonah at Kearney, Nebraska. Didn't Arthur Mitchell use the phony name of Detective Kearney when he kidnapped the ten-year-old boy in season five? Maybe I'm mistaken. Anyway, keep up the great podcast, Gareth. Thanks very much, Michael. I really appreciate that. As modest as I am, bugger me, a walk-on part in an episode of Dexter. That would be bloody amazing. Robert Lewis, producer, <laughs> he's on Twitter, at RL Lewis, so hey, anyone can drop him a line, hint hint. <laughs> but away from my own selfish aspirations of a set visit, you make an interesting point about the previous big bad guest stars. Among those, of course, Lithgow stands out by a mile. I wasn't so mad about Jimmy Smits, but maybe a rewatch of season three will change my mind. He's certainly a charismatic actor. You refer to the change since season four, and behind the scenes, the big change at that point was the departure of the then showrunner Clyde Phillips. He was a big influence backstage, and maybe the difference since then is his absence. We've had two different showrunners since then, although some of the writers are the same. I think some strong kills of the week, I think they'd be a welcome return within limits. They would certainly help those casual viewers just dropping in from time to time, but I think the show needs longer term arcs too. But that's where a good showrunner comes into their own, keeping a tight hold of the reins, a tight hold of the steering wheel, keep control of the direction and speed of the show. And it's an interesting point there about Arthur Mitchell with that phony name. Honestly, I don't remember whether that's true or not, but it's a nice callback if it is true. Thanks again, Michael. 
An email from Josh in Pittsburgh who says, "Oh, this I should point out. This is <laughs> this is a different Josh to uh, our regular caller, Josh." He says, "Just got done watching Cinema Mission. I thought it started off kind of weak, but ended really strong. I hate seeing Deb give so much shit to Dexter. Also hated seeing Travis's sister being killed, but I guess it had to be done for dramatic effect." I'm really beginning to think Geller is just Travis's dark passenger, even more than before. I don't know why people want to know the answer so soon. I think that the more they carry it out, the better. Just think for a minute. If they would have told us Brian was Dexter's brother in episode, say, let's say, nine, it would have been a huge of a what-the-f reaction. I hope that makes sense. And what the hell is up with the dead hooker in LaGuerta? Something is real shady about that. I just finished re-watching season one with your recap. I forgot how amazing and incredible that season was. I'm about to start season two. I could keep going on and on, but this email has gotten out of control. I'll save more of my thoughts for the next email. Anyway, keep up the great work, my man. I've tried listening to other Dexter podcasts, but they don't even come close to yours, and for that, I give thanks. Podcast aside, to you and your family, stay healthy, stay happy. Cheers. Thanks, Josh. Nice email. I appreciate your comments there. Yes, I suppose it has a greater dramatic effect to withhold answers to your mysteries till later. But I think with Geller, the ambiguity with him was so obvious from the start. Most of us thinking we had him pegged as not being real. So for many, patience level with it wasn't high. It's almost been like, we know he's not real. Just confirm it already. Rightly or wrongly. <laughs> And you're spot on about season one. It really was solid, and my recent rewatch on the podcast only cemented that belief for me. Season two's pretty good too, and I've done, I think, three podcasts for season two. I will be getting back to season two in January once we're done with this season. So, um, you know, guys, watch out for those in the new year. Hi, Gareth. It's Ian from Bristol. Um, just calling to have a, a very, very brief uh, chat about Dexter. Um, series 6, Episode 8. Um, really, the point I wanted to raise was around Geller, is he, is he real or not? Um, and I think it was very inconclusive last night, um, but I think inconclusive in quite a conclusive way, if you understand my mad logic, in that they went out of their way to make sure that Dix didn't see him to point out the fact that uh, he might not have been there. On the other hand, Travis was chained up to the floor indicating that somebody else must have done it, um, which makes it inconclusive, but I think it's conclusive because Travis probably chained himself up after he realized he'd murdered his own sister, um, chained himself up to protect other people, um, and probably just threw, the, threw away the keys to the far end of the room so he couldn't unlock himself, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, so I think it sent Dexter down the path that he's got to chase it at Geller. He's kind of tried to reinforce that Geller is real, but I don't think he really is. Um, that was it, really. Um, another great episode. I think the pacing is, is going really well. I think the writing's significantly better than last season. Um, and finally, I think it's a good idea to have a poll at the end of the series to discuss where the seasons fit within each other and uh, rank them from, from best to worst, maybe. OK, I'll uh, speak to you soon. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ian. The Geller discussion continues. <laughs> yes, I think it continued to be ambiguous this week. Dexter won't have even considered the possibility that he's not real. He's just expecting to get him on his kill table sometime soon. Travis being chained up could have been a red herring. Travis possibly having done it himself, burnt his own arm in penance for killing his sister. 
it could still go either way. On to the emails again. Writer gal emailed in with a theory. She writes, I'm going to go out on a limb and make a couple of predictions, all based on Geller's being a figment of Travis's psyche. Actually, I should just interject there while I think of it. Uh, apologies, I didn't give you credit in your email that came in between episodes for predicting that Dexter would get Travis... Uh, would get Sam's Bible. You you called that spot on. And for those that don't believe me, rest assured, <laughs> the email certainly did come in before that before episode eight aired. So she really did call it. So well done for that. Back to this email. Writer gal continues. I think this may be the season where Dexter doesn't kill the big bad on his kill table. But since I can't quite see him bundling Travis up and sending him off to a psych ward, I suspect this will require Travis's death at his own or Geller's hand. Given what we've already seen, it's sure to be flamboyant. Why this ending? 1. Alternate personalities are often the result of childhood trauma. And didn't Travis's sister twice tell us that their parents were killed in some sort of accident while they were kids? Hmm... Groundwork has been laid for Travis's mental condition. 2. Dexter would probably need to consult with a psychologist about this at some point. And, what do you know, we have one in the cast this season. I don't know if she's doing much, if she's doing Deb much good, but her advice may be pivotal as the season nears its conclusion. 3. We've seen foreshadowing in the fact that Dexter let Jonah go, despite the fact that Jonah did, in fact, kill his mother. These days, Dex doesn't seem to be wreaking justice as much as he is intent on preventing killers from doing further damage. And with Jonah, we saw that he won't kill someone who still has a conscience, which Travis has in spades. So he can't kill Travis on the table, but Geller slash Travis might try to take Dexter out. We may see Dex wrestling with whether or not to kill Travis slash Geller, Shades of Darkness versus Light again, but ultimately Dex's conscience will win the day. But then again, if Dexter is flesh and blood, well, all bets are off. <laughs> Thanks, writer gal. I like the notion that Dexter doesn't kill the big bad this year. It'll mark the beginning of, of, a, of an era for him, won't it? Maybe he'll have to revise the code. But can he risk showing his true self to people and let them go? He can't keep doing that, can he? Jonah has seen some of it. Travis is seeing some of it, and maybe more. It doesn't act exactly help keep Dexter stay safe. However, in terms of the arc of the season, the theme of spiritual, if not religious, enlightenment, it would play into it well, and again show Dexter being capable of so much more. Would Harry ultimately be proud? Maybe he would. It could ultimately go against the code, which in turn puts Dexter at great risk of exposure, but he would go forward with a slightly clearer conscience, and maybe that will be more important to him. Thanks, writer gal. Hi, Gareth. This is Tim from Melbourne, Australia. I've been listening for a long time and enjoyed the podcast, so thanks very much. I thought I'd call in for once and leave some feedback. I just finished watching this week's episode, and I found it to be another good episode, as they've all been this season, but you know, I just feel still the series hasn't quite taken off. Each episode is still pretty good, but... yeah. I don't know, it's just not um, quite living up to previous seasons for me yet. But, you know, still a few more episodes to go, so hopefully there's some good stuff to come. Um, I just feel like the the writers have been a little bit slack this season. I think you may have made mention of that as well. 
just in another, a couple of cases in this episode, like uh, you know Dexter going out to the abandoned church where he, you know, which he suspects is the lair of a major serial killer, and you know he stealthily approaches by driving close to the church and then slamming his door. Basically, it's just not something I don't know. I think Dexter would would do in previous seasons. Um, I thought that his scene with Deb when she found the pen, which we, we probably all suspected would, would turn up and realised that he'd ducked off to Nebraska. I thought he should have just said, as, as a better excuse, that uh, he went down to try and investigate Trinity or get some a, a lead from Jonah about where Trinity might be would have been a better excuse. Um and could have used the excuse that, you know, Deb being just the, the Miami police wouldn't have been able to help with that sort of case, so he just went down on the slide to try and get some uh, uh, leads on Trinity, and, and uh, she probably wouldn't have gone off all, all offended. Um, but anyway, there, look, I'm, I'm enjoying the series. It hasn't quite taken off, but we're only two-thirds in, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'll give my two cents on the whole gala question. I think it's getting to the point where they're making it so obvious that it's just a, a, a dark passenger inside uh, Travis's head that I think the twist is now going to be that he's real rather than the other way around. So I was sure that uh, you know, that he was just a dark passenger like a Harry, but I just think they're, they're beating us over the head with it, making it so obvious that I think the twist is going to be that that, uh, that Gala will be real. So... We'll see. Okay, thanks once again, Gareth, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks, Tim. I was really surprised when I heard an Australian voice on the US line, but obviously it is an international number and can be phoned in from anywhere. <laughs> so um, I guess maybe I shouldn't be all that surprised, but, you know, you kind of get used to hearing uh, a certain accent. So, um, But I really appreciate you taking the time. You mentioned about Dexter talking to Deb about Nebraska. Yes, he could have said he was just trying to get a lead on Trinity and then maybe taken on the chin Deb's inevitable leave-it-to-the-detectives response. That would have been less upsetting to Deb, definitely. He had to think on his feet very quickly, though. And he mentioned the Geller debate. Yes, it would sure be more surprising now if Geller turned out to be completely real. It would still make Travis seem sympathetic, but having been weak enough and susceptible to allow himself to be manipulated into being involved with such terrible things. An email from Tom in Poland. He writes in with a few points. 1. Lisa is the whore. I was under the impression that Geller wanted to find someone who could be at least remotely described by that term, i.e. Holly Benson. It seems really petty to me for a man who believes is chosen by God to choose her just because she was making Travis stop helping him. I really didn't like this. Two, it's really sad to see Dexter avoiding contact with Deborah, despite her trying to, though of course we understand that. Although I don't like Jennifer Carpenter's acting all the time, in this episode I was really impressed by it. Three, Quinn's broken again. I would have thought that after that last conversation with Deb, he'd stop behaving like that. I don't like that. And four, I'm not going to ask the question again, 
because what was happening at the end of the episode was really ambiguous and I'm confused again. Thanks, Tom. Good point about Lisa Marshall. She didn't resemble a whore in any way. It would seem petty if Geller neglected this point on his religious agenda to use Lisa just to spite Travis. But then if the Geller we see is actually Travis, then I don't know. <laughs> is anything possible? And a live Geller is the expert, but Travis is just the student. And Quinn? Yes, I thought he was on a good path again after his conversation with Deb last week, but it would seem not. Hey Gareth, this is Travis. And I gotta say, I'm glad that all that Trinity and Ghost Brother foolishness, I'm glad that's all out of the way, because now I feel like the season finally got back on track. Well, that is to say, it got as back on track as it ever was. I'm still not entirely in love with the season. But I think for the first time this entire season, I find myself caring about the Doomsday Killer case. Uh, so who would have thunk it, right? Uh, uh, as you predicted, as everyone predicted, but I'm going to give you credit. You're the, you're the host. Uh, yeah, to no, nobody's surprise, uh, Travis's sister got killed. You know, man, who didn't see that coming? Uh, as I predicted, and as other people predicted... Uh, that pen came back into play this episode, uh, kind of got Dexter in trouble. Of course, the trouble's not immediate, but it got Deb talking to her therapist. The therapist is putting ideas in her head. Uh-oh, for Dex, maybe. I don't know. Uh, just going through, like, a mental checklist, things that are sticking out in my head are, like, Quinn being an asshole. Uh, you know, he, he I thought the heart-to-heart -heart he had with Deb last week, you know, maybe that was going to change, but no, he's still a drunk asshole. I guess it's not as overt. He's not an asshole to Deb, but he's still a drunk asshole at the uh, at the strip club. Uh, LaGuerta being sinister on the phone, talking to that mystery person about, oh, you know, everything's all good. You don't got to worry. I think the obvious answer as to who's on the line would be Matthews. I mean, that's like who she reports to. In the first episode, we got, we know that he apparently loves prostitutes. That's how LaGuerta got her promotion in the first place. But I've heard somebody say that it was, uh, that it might be, he, she's talking to Angel, Angel Batista, because, uh, you know, apparently he was, uh, he was d behaving differently this episode, and he, he, what, he was missing an action at one point. I don't know. Uh, I think that's a little too, uh, dark, too sinister for him. I know the season's supposed to be dark and sinister, but mm, I don't know if I, I don't know if the writers are going to do that with him, but who knows? Um, I, I was just actually, all the scenes between Batista's sister and Lewis, the intern, I've been thinking about how, when I'm watching them, I'm getting a very big Lost vibe. Like, they remind me of Nikki and Paolo. Um, I think you're a Lost fan, uh, so you should know what I'm talking about. It's just like they're these two lovers that just got introduced this season, and we're spending time with them, and I don't care about them. Just get them out of here. Like, I don't, all this drama with them, you know, ugh, I don't know. Nobody like Nick and Paolo. I don't know. Does anybody like Jamie and Lewis? Uh, finally, I, I guess this uh, the main thought I have so far about this episode is just something that, that's kind of been bothering me about this season. It's just that, like, why does Dexter have to kill the serial killers this episode? Or, I'm sorry, this season. Um, and what I, mean that is, what I mean by that is, like, why is he still doing this in season six? Uh, you know, in season one, he had motivation to want to kill or to want to investigate the ice truck killer. He, you know, he was hiding evidence from the police and stuff. That all made sense. Uh, it was charming in season one. Uh, 
Then he didn't do it in season two or three. And then in season four, he did it again. He had motivation to do it because he wanted to learn from Trinity. And then it got his wife killed. And then in season five, going after the big bad of the season again, almost got him caught by Deb. And it looks like this season, it's going to do the same thing. Uh, I don't know like what Dexter's real motivation is. Why does he have to kill... Like, why does he internally feel he has to be the one who kills Geller all of a sudden? Uh, there's plenty of other people that he could be killing. He should have learned his lesson that it, going after the same prey as Miami Metro does not turn out good for him. But, of course, the writers want to fill up show, uh, you know, airtime, so that's what they're going to do. Speaking of airtime, we got two more seasons of Dexter coming. I'm sure you already heard of it. That's probably been announced at the beginning of this podcast but what i'm more excited about maybe if we have two more seasons of dexter does that mean we have two more seasons of dissecting dexter break that news right now gareth i want to be the one to announce it uh so anyway i guess that's it finally i just want to say one thing i wanted about something you and your viewers were talking about last week you guys were like upset about dexter's necrophilia or somehow the astro killer said like oh wouldn't it have been more fun to kill her and then fuck her uh the way I interpreted that was Dex, uh, Brian said something like, Would, wouldn't it be more fun to, to kill her than, like, T-H-A-N fucker? Like, wouldn't it be more fun to kill her instead of fucking her? I don't know. That's what I heard. I didn't. I never even thought crossed my mind about he was talking about killing her and then having sex with the body. I don't know. Maybe you guys are right, but maybe uh, maybe I've inspired you. I don't know. But anyway, Gareth, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, Travis. You mentioned Matthews as prime suspect for that dead cool girl. He was my suspect too, given his track record. But that's a great idea about Batista. He did seem to have a slightly harder edge this week, although it was mostly towards Lewis. I mean, we saw Batista punch out Quinn standing up for Jamie. He's understandably protective of her. She's his sister. But Lewis... He doesn't seem the sort to mess a girl around, unlike, say, a Quinn type of character. But I took it that he's just in no-nonsense, protective brother, <laughs> don't hurt my sister, make the message clear kind of mode. But he did dabble with cool girls before, didn't he? Season three, was it? But he is maybe the only other person that LaGuerta might bend the rules for. However, it puts her own career in great jeopardy if she was found out. Would she really do that? <laughs> you mentioned the Lewis-Jamie relationship. <laughs> you know, I'm going to coin a new phrase. Let's call them Loomy. <laughs> and you compare them to Nikki and Paolo from Lost. Yes, <laughs> get them out of here, you say. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. Uh, I still have optimism that the Loomy thing will lead to something significant this season. So, you know, you can shoot me at the end if that doesn't turn out to be true. But that's my belief at the moment. And you question why does Dexter have to kill the serial killer this season? You're kind of right with what you said about motivations for previous seasons. What's his motivation for killing Geller? Is it his interest in learning about religion or killing for religion? He felt he could learn from Trinity. Does he feel he could learn from Geller? Mind you, he mused about learning from Trinity, but he's not said that of Geller. Geller's obviously a killer who'll kill again, and has so far escaped justice, so... He does fit the code. But wasn't it Travis he got on to first? Dexter having seen him at the Angel of Death to blow. 
he noticed Travis standing there, didn't he, watching the locusts, smiling, admiring his handiwork. It aroused Dexter's professional interest, seeing someone like that, so he pursued him, and it's led to where he is now. But yes, his track record of pursuing the same killer as Miami PD doesn't always end well. Maybe it's in the absence of any other targets that he's pursuing DDK. For a couple of weeks, he was just involved with Brother Sam and then Brian, mostly. He he wasn't doing anything with DDK, really, so it's not been his only focus so far this season. And, yep, yeah, you're right to point out the necrophilia thing. And, yes, two more seasons of Dissecting Dexter you've got to put up with. Well, at least that, because I've got to finish the rewatch of season two and then go through seasons three and four, so... You know, you guys, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you've got a lot more from me to come. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for your fantastic feedback this week. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. If you want to email me, the address, as always, is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. We've got the listener lines in the US, it's 646 222 and in the UK, it's 0844 579 6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's also Twitter at Dissect Dexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And there's the Facebook page. Quite a few of you posting there now, which is great. Just go onto Facebook and search for Dissecting Dexter and you'll find it. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, a very quick spoiler-free preview for next week. The next episode is episode 9, Get Geller. Well, I guess that episode title's fairly self-explanatory and not surprising given how the last episode ended. Travis and Dexter obviously teaming up. Deb, no doubt, is still going to be down on Dexter. And I predict her suspicions are going to continue to be aroused. Will we find out who is covering for? I suspect we'll get further clues, or maybe even a reveal. No, I'll say this, we'll get a reveal next week, that it's probably going to be Matthews, and maybe the last two or three episodes will be the Guerta trying to blackmail him, and maybe ending up in a in a hole somewhere out in the desert, <laughs> or, or st- stuck in a swamp somewhere. And another question, will Lumi come to anything other than filler? As Travis maybe fears... That's our caller, Travis, that is. As I say, I still feel that it's going to come to something a bit more than just filler. So, that was a quick preview. (laughs) Well, yes, very much a blink-and-you-miss-it, flash-in-the-pan kind of preview. But I'm very conscious of the fact that once again the podcast has exceeded the hour and a half mark. And uh, although some of you have specifically contacted me to say that you don't mind the longer podcast, it's all good Dexter content. So uh, yeah, forgive the short preview. But before I leave you for another week, uh, two things. Firstly, a shout out to the guys at the Two Guys Talking Dexter podcast uh, who gave dissecting Dexter a very nice mention on their latest review of uh, of this latest episode Sins of Omission it seems like they're not enjoying this season as much as I am um, I mean as we've you know we've talked about the show's 
shortcomings this year and I'm certainly not such a fanboy that that I've overlooked all those. Uh, The show has certainly fallen short in some departments and prior to the last couple of episodes I've been kind of feeling a bit yeah about the season (laughs) if yeah is a word but you know you know what I mean it's it's been okay it's not been a brilliant season it's it's been okay but I certainly enjoyed the Brian episode last week and this episode was okay as well you know it's entertaining so with that yeah thanks guys at two guys talking uh, thanks for the shout out back at you <laughs> and last thing before I go just to our friends in North America have a great weekend happy Thanksgiving and for you and everybody else thanks very much for listening thanks for your continued support with the podcast and I'll speak to you soon we'll just some more Dexter in seven days time until then take care bye for now mm-hmm.